BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. I'm a former Bravo TV star and now former wife. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And today I am joined by the most amazing, beautiful female entrepreneur, Lauren Ridginger. She is named Vogue's top most influential woman and Hot Living's most influential person in Miami and New York. That's quite some feat. And she's a leading style icon, and she's a successful businesswoman, and she does a lot of women's empowerment, which is why I couldn't wait to speak to you today. That's um, quite a mouthful. I don't know where to stop with you. I love you. I think it's more important to just, you know, be a great friend and support all of our friends along the way. And, I, you know, I love watching you and Sergio. Of course, we have Larsa in common together, and I just inspired by your ability to go out and live your life the way you should, you deserve to live it. And that's a great, a great lesson for all of us that, you know, putting happiness in front of everything is the most important thing we can do. Thank you so much. I think, you know, well, as you said, Lars is our common friend and I started following you through Lars's account. And it's so funny because I feel like I know you now. No, I feel like we're longtime friends. I know, right? I can't wait to meet you. Lars is trying to get me over to Miami, but with COVID, everything's been impossible. But um, I'm coming and I can't wait to come over there and give you a non-virtual hug. I do think us women, we put so many other things in front of our own happiness. Yeah. And and things that we that shouldn't matter, really, because we only do get one go at this. So tell me a little bit about what you do and what you preach to women. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, I started shop.com with my husband 31 years ago, almost 31 years ago. And, you know, we're number 54 worldwide for shopping online, but we started flat broke and didn't have anything, you know, had nothing to offer people. And I think um, back then, you know, no money to start up and, you know, we're living proof that you don't have to have the finances to start something as long as you have the passion and the drive that kick ass attitude of I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And I think that's what's kind of, you know, led me in my life and along the journey. And I think, you know, I've encountered so many women and and people along the way, you know, they just don't have the belief in themselves. They don't have the belief that they're able 
or capable of doing something probably because they were brought up to believe that, you know, and uh, we've been so fortunate, you know, today we're doing a billion dollars a year growing massively. But I think more importantly than that is making that impact on people. So people really believe that they're capable of being and doing anything they want to do. And I think that's where people struggle. I'm right now just can't even focus because I'm looking at some like ice rink on your finger. What size is that ring? <laughs> the funny thing is, here's the great thing about this ring. It's 35 carats, done by Jacob the Jeweler. 35 now, Jacob did this for me. You know Jacob and Angela. Yes. And so Jacob did this for me many years ago, and my earrings, actually, which I'm I'm really surprised love. Jacob hasn't retired off that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my beautiful ring, and I'm throwing it out the window as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> but my first ring was a fake ring because we couldn't afford a real ring. To be honest, that's the only reason I'm really bringing it up. What I took from that story is exactly that. I am now watching your wealth on your finger. And I absolutely love stories like this. Love it. Because I grew up an opposite way. I grew up with over-entitled, over-indulged, trust fund kids in you know England. And actually, it breeds the opposite. It breeds children that, you know, people that just don't do anything, don't know how to do anything. I love that you are enjoying your wealth. I love that you want, you know, why the fuck shouldn't you when you started from nothing? <laughs> yeah. No, no, but I, you know, my, my parents taught me growing up that, you know, you, when you have a big house, you share a bathtub and turn the lights off at six o'clock. I have a house and I don't have anything close to squillions at all, unfortunately, but I'm getting, I'm going to get there. You're but, on your you way. Know, yeah, I'm on my way. But I still light my house up like a Christmas tree and literally leave the air conditioning on in every room just in case someone walks in there. And I love that. And I'm the same way. And I think I think when you kind of grow up, because we grew up with nothing and both of us. So I think, you know, we we kind of grew up with the fact that we're going to really enjoy life. But I'm the big believer in buying things and spending money on things that you really love, like I'm not going to spend crazy money on something I'm never going to use, but I sure will on a pair of jeans or a ring, you know, or those things and enjoy life because life is too short. When you're making money, that's kind of the scoreboard for us. It's never been about, you know, how much money we can make. Cause I truly believe at some point in your life, you get to this place where we don't need any more money. What we need is time. Time is the most valuable commodity that we have. But I think along this journey, you know, as you know, when you're trying to make it and growing up in a successful family, you kind of, you know, things get sacrificed along the way. For for me, you know, I had this incredible daughter, three grandchildren, thrilled with, you know, and I three grandchildren. How how old's your daughter? My daughter's 28. And wow. so it's That's amazing. She has a great skincare line. That's what I have on my face, but she's really, she's a, a remarkable. And I think when you have this, this close circle of friends and family and you kind of are conscious as you are, you know, cause I watch you so carefully and I feel like we've been longtime friends when you really pick and choose the people you want to be around. Cause we don't get to do that with our family, right? We kind of inherit our family, yes. but we get to choose our friends. And I always tell people it's so important that we choose the right people because everybody else really doesn't matter. You know, when we don't choose the right people, then we can get off on the wrong track. And so, you know, I'm super conscious conscious of my circle, super conscious of my group, making sure that people are pushing people, empowering people, want to be with others, you know, want to encourage them to make it because there's too much negativity already. You know, if you're trying to make something happen, you know, you need that support. You need that backbone. That's why I fell in love with Larsa. She's like that too. She's a sharer. 
She's a girl's girl. She's a ride or die. You know, 25 years we've been friends. Uh, inseparable, really. You know, we grew up together. I was with her before her, her last two were born. And, you know, it's really remarkable when you watch somebody grow as a human being. And, and I, I, you know, I admire Larsa because, you know, she's not afraid to step out of what's the comfort circle for most, right? Yeah. And kind of live her life. And, and that takes bravery. You know, I think she's another one. She really loves women, supports women. And, and for me, I think that's what the journey has been about. It's more been about how can we make an impact on other people's lives? And how do people understand that in this journey, right? Like we're all standing on line and we have no idea when God's going to call us, but we're all in that same line. <laughs> I don't know anybody's ever gotten out of this thing alive yet called life. (laughs) And everybody, when they die, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. So I use death to motivate me every day, which is amazing because I think about every day, am I doing what I want to do? Am I doing who I want to do it with? You know, and my husband is always like, well, Hey, I met these new people. Should we hang out with them? And I'm like, Dara, we want to meet people who have the right attitude. It doesn't matter about the money. It doesn't matter where they came from, what kind of education, but you want to meet people who have the right attitude. You want to meet people who care about where you're going and, and can they help promote you to get there in their mind by pushing you, not, not physically, not professionally do anything, but just as a friend, you know, you want people to say, go Carolyn, go, you got this. This is yeah. you like, you know, your new shoe line, shoe line. Yeah, baby. Bravo. That's the girlfriend you want behind you, pushing you. And anything less than that's not okay. It's not. And we're not going to get where we want to go when we have those people around us who are pulling us down. Because let's face it, misery loves company, right? Those girls, I used to avoid the girl who would tell you that you looked good in the dress that you know you looked horrible in. You know, it was just women that do this too. I got these awful messages in the last week just saying, you know, you look like you're, you're on a beach holiday with your son. And I'm thinking... You know, it's only ever women that write this rubbish to me. Yes. As I've said a million times before, if a man does it, nobody would even, you know, bat an eyelid. But I mean, I I have to endure like you've got sunspots, you're too old, you're this, you're that. Just from women. Why, Why are women so horrible to women? I think it's because instead of empowering, like that's why I always struggle with the people we surround ourselves with, because it's the ones that can be awful that have been made to feel awful. And, you know, I want to kind of eliminate that. Like I, you know, I tell people, if you want to, you know, talk bullshit, you want to be mean, you're doing it with the wrong people. Like there's no room in our circle for that. You know, and I I actually was, Larson and I were talking about a friend of ours yesterday, and we were talking about how we need friends in our life who diffuse situations. (laughs) They don't, they they need to diffuse them. Don't be the one who lights the fire. Oh my God, I've just had that too, where a girlfriend's just run in, thrown a bomb and go, oh, I didn't know, run out and left me to pick up the pieces. It's so funny you say that. And you're like, I'm like, okay, I'll just take one for the team and just pretend it was all me because I just want to diffuse the whole fucking situation. Exactly. But it's just insane. It doesn't make any sense. Like diffuse the situation. Don't, you know, throw fuel on top of it. We're in our forties. You know, I mean, honestly, it's embarrassing. Does your husband behave this way? Probably not. No. I don't. No, it's only girls. It's only girls. It's terrible. It's really only girls. And I, I just am always like, that's why I'm always so cautious, cautious. When we go out on the boat, people are like, hey, can I bring someone over? And I'm like, you know, we have this vetting process. 
You have to be super positive and super cool and not judge people. Because I think just that exists too much. People are just so, you know, carefree to judge whoever they want. And really, you know, I stopped worrying what, about what people say about me or think a long time ago. Because if we really realized how little they think, we wouldn't be so, so, so concerned, right? People don't think about us as much as they want because people don't care about anything but themselves generally. So I want to have that circle around me of people who care. You know, that positive group of girls and guys that care and want to see you succeed. And I think that's so important. And I think we've been trained our whole life to grow up to believe that this is it. And I always tell people, if I've cut you out of my life, it's because you've given me the scissors. It's because it's time for me to take a mental vacation and check out from you. You know, my father, I remember both my parents died at a, a young age. My mom at 42, my father at 60. But, but before he died and when I came out of high school, I remember he told me, he said, you know, Lauren, you're going to be an, an airline attendant. And I said, dad, I don't want to be an airline attendant. One day I'm going to own my own airplane. He's like, well, you're living in Disney World. That's never going to happen. You have to go get a job and you're going to be an airline attendant. And they pay $28,000 a year. And I thought, dad, I don't want to do that. I don't even like to fly. <laughs> and so he made me go stand in this line at 18 years old and apply for this job with 800 other girls. I swear, Caroline, if, if I gave them the worst answers on the planet, I told them every reason why I shouldn't be an airline attendant. And I got picked of one of four people to be it. And I remember coming home that day and getting a letter that I was selecting. My dad was jumping up and down. And I looked at my mom and I said, mom, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be an airline attendant. I want to be an entrepreneur. And she'd be like, what is an entrepreneur? And she was like, well, just go through the motions and we'll tell him in a few weeks. Because my mom was so amazing. She always wanted to buffer the situation rather than dealing with it. And I said, mom, I don't want to do this. And she was like, just do it for me. And in a few weeks, we'll tell him. So I went to the training. I came back. I told mom, it's worse than ever. The girls are so nitpicky. All of them were like cutthroat type of girls. And I said, I told all of them when I left the training in Atlanta, I was like, listen, you guys can all have this job. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it at all. So you don't need to worry about hating on me. You can have it. And I came home and I told my dad, you know, dad, I have to talk to you this evening. And he was like, well, okay. And he's like, we can do it at 6 PM. And I checked the mail and honest to God, I opened up the mail. And there was a letter from Eastern airlines at the time and said, Hey, we just went out of business. And we're not going to be hiring people anymore. And you can go to this other airline, Orient Airline, for a job. And I tore up that letter. I went to my dad and I said, there is no job anymore. But it was a crossroad in my life that made me realize that so often, so many people take a road that wasn't made for us, that it was a road that somebody pushed us to, a road somebody told us we needed to take, whether it be getting married, getting engaged, going to college, you know, getting that job. Somebody tells us we need to do this. And we end up doing it. And then we end up becoming what we weren't supposed to become because somebody else wanted us to be it. And we get lost in the process and we lose our own identity. And I, I decided that that was a crossroad in my life to tell me that it was meant for me to decide what I was going to do. And I did. You know, he thought I was crazy. And I took a mental vacation from my dad for a minute, you know, and I told him, it's not that I don't love you. It's that I need to mentally check out because truthfully, dad, if you're in my head telling me all the things I got to be, I'm never going to be able to be what I want to be. And when I took that mental vacation, I made sure he understood. I love you. I'm always going to be here for you. And I'm going to check in with you. But right now it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to be available for you to tell me what I shouldn't do. And so I always tell people, take the mental vacation, do the things that you want to do, because so often we get led down the wrong road. And, you know, everybody's always pushing us into the future. We get out of high school. They're like, what's where are you going to college? 
You get out of college, where are you getting a job at? You know, you get out, you get engaged when you're getting married. You get married when you're going to have kids. Everybody puts us in our future. And we don't ever get a chance to decide what we want to do. We're just put there. And so my whole life, I've tried to remind, like, even my own daughter and my children, how important it is to work hard and to, to not be afraid to work hard. But it's more important to do also what you want to do and be who you want to be, whether that involves money or not. To me, money's the scoreboard, right? So we've scored really well. But it's never, you know, money doesn't make you happy. It just can make things easier. You know, life's already hard without it. So, you know, it's hard with money too. So if it can help in that capacity, that's fantastic. Most people just don't have that belief, as you know. And I, that's why I think what you do. And when you had Sergio do, I, I, that type of love is really hard love to find. And, you know, when you can smile every day and laugh and yeah, there's going to be shit with everyone, right? We know that. It's going to be shit with everybody. But when you can actually be happy and laugh and smile, isn't that what life's supposed to be about? Well, you know, I, I believe that because that's why I took the leap in the end. You know, I believe that, you know, yes, it's harder in a way because I think I always had the backup of my businessman husband. Yeah. And now I have a 27 year old, you know, but at the same time, everything he gives me is so much more important to me, which is, you know, laughter and fun. And the thing is, you know, Lauren, I've learned the same and the same as you as, as somebody who's. I made money. I've lost money. I, you know, I'm starting again now. I'm very, and I'm very happy doing it. And I'm very vocal about it. I really don't care. I do not have pots of money in the bank and I'm good with that, but. And we're supposed to fail. We're supposed to fail in order to make it. A thousand percent. And I'm having the time of my life in a way I'm doing a sort of do over. And Sergio is sent here to teach me, I think, because so many parts of my life, I grew up thinking that money was everything, you know, coming from a family with money at the time, you know, um, friends with money, you lost friends if you lose your money, you know, that's what happens in English society and all of this kind of stuff. I've realized that it really is a love-hate relationship we all have with it. Yeah. And that you need to be fundamentally happy regardless. It has, exactly. has nothing to do with it. and I, would be happy in an apartment or a mansion. We all believe that, just so you know. We all, <laughs> we all believe that. Because, you know, one of my highlights of my day, I never really check Instagram that much because I don't have a chance, but Larsa will always send me, hey, look at this or check this out. And, you know, you get a chance at night, you'll just slide down it. And I'm always looking for the new YouTube because I love you guys. And I think it's a real demonstration to show people that it's okay to step out of your comfort zone. And to do something that feels good because you love it, because you love somebody, because it feels right. And it's opposite of what we've been told. You know, my husband's the opposite, 21 years older. And so everybody's always like, oh my God, you know, how are you going to manage that? As you know, I was 18 at the time. And, you know, I never really thought about age, never really thought of it as being a, a, a stepping stone or, or, you know, something I would have to overcome. I suppose you know, now that we've both gotten a little bit older, you know, you think about age a little bit more as we grow and we start to do now estate planning because, you know, he's just just past 70. And 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 I just think about those things. And, and But I think about, you know, how it would have never worked for me with somebody else. And that's how I believe it is with you and Sergio, because I truly believe when you see you guys, there's no way to replace that. That sarcasm, that love, that laughter, 
that your little toughness about you, which I adore, you know, you holding the whip. Like we all need more Caroline and Sergio's to remind us that life is important, that we're only here for a moment. That's it. That's the key. What is irreplaceable about Sergio and I is the ease. Yes. It doesn't matter if I wake up with, you know, like if I go to bed with my makeup on and I have one of my fake eyelashes stuck to my forehead, you know, and, and it happens. And, you know, it doesn't matter how I wake up, what I look like. If someone says these awful messages to him, to me, that, you know, I look like his grandmother, whatever it is. He, he looked at me today. There was a paparazzi, a whole thing in the newspaper. Honestly, it was the worst angle I've ever seen of myself. I really did look like his grandmother. And he goes, but do you care? And I'm like, I was thinking about it for a minute. And then I'm like, he doesn't give a shit. Why, why do I give a shit? No, I don't. Exactly. By the way, you don't ever look like a grandmother. You're always hot. But my point is this. It's something that is unfamiliar to people, yet they can talk shit about it all they want, but in, inside they're envious of it. They want that. They need that. We need to survive. We need to feel that. And so for me, I smile of happiness. I'm always talking about you like you're my bestie. I'm always like, hey, did you see Carolyn and Sergio? Look at oh, them. They were. I love that about you too. You do not need, and this is what's so interesting about you as well, is you know, you've you've come from nothing. You've you've built this incredible company. As you said, you're doing over a billion dollars a year. And yet you still want to go out there and help other people. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. What drives you to do, to do all these talks and these things for other people? Because I, I notice you're on stage a lot and that, and I've done it. That is scary shit. It is scary to you girls. It's scary. You know, I speak, uh, usually we do it four times a year in big events with like, you know, 25,000 or more people. And that's, you know, people are always like, of course it's scary, but people are always like, oh my God, how do you do it? And I try to explain to people really the process before I get to stage is the hardest part, right? Because that's the part that nobody wants to do. Everybody wants the rainbow, but they don't want the rain. Everybody wants to be rich. They don't want the risk. Everybody wants a great marriage. They're not willing to put in the effort. Nothing comes for nothing. You know, everything takes hard work. And I think you know, over the years, I've really realized that exchange for the things that I really want versus the things I don't want. So, you know, I wasn't the girl at 18 who was out at the parties, who was doing the things that all the kids my um, age were doing. I was more focused on building an empire. I was like, people are going to shop online one day. People are going to shop online one day in 92. And everybody thought we were crazy because nobody even had computers. But it was the same year Amazon had started. You know, and I really watched people as I kept growing. You know, I remember when we hit our first million, I kept saying, we got to work harder. You know, my husband and I were like, we got to keep going. We got to go while we have momentum. And, you know, truthfully, we realized that once you hit, which it took, you know, you get that first million, you're on your way. But, you know, most people slow down, they get comfortable. And I was never comfortable. I wanted to be uncomfortable. I wanted to be uncomfortable motivated to keep going. And I think as I met people along the way, even people like my, you know, watched my own mother, you know, working for $3 and 35 cents an hour back, you know, 25 years ago in a dry cleaners, I wanted something more for her. I wanted women and men to, to believe that they could do anything they wanted to do, but most people don't believe in themselves. You know, and I think about, you know, the time my daughter, when she was growing up, she said to JR, she said, dad, you know, one day when I grow up, I want to be a dolphin trainer. And he said, you do. 
And he said, well, you know, dolphin training is hard work. It's not just all tricks and whatnot, you know, cause she's watching it at the aquarium and she sees the girl teaching the, the whale how to do the flip and they're doing jumps. So he rented out the entire aquarium for her. And he said, today you're going to be a dolphin trainer, a real dolphin trainer. But most of the day she sat there and she cleaned dirty, bloody fish. And she realized that it wasn't as glamorous as it looked because the process to be a dolphin trainer was much harder than being a dolphin trainer and training that dolphin how to do the tricks. And so what I've tried to do my whole life is remind people that the process is where the work happens, right? The process is where all the exciting stuff happens. It's where all the consistency happens, which can be boring for people. It's where all the work happens that makes it happen. And so arriving on stage is just the the results of the process. And, you know, watching and talking to people, I've talked to so many people over the years, you know, and they never had anyone tell them, hey, we can, we believe in you. You can do this. Let's do it together. I always tell people, if you're going to make it happen, I'll do it with you. But you got to do give 100%. I don't believe in meeting me halfway and I'll meet you halfway in marriage and business and relationships. None of that works. I'll give you all of me if you give me all of you. And, you know, that's when stuff happens. People don't get excited when, you know, when they're motivated and like, oh, yeah, let's go out and make it happen. People get downright dirty and will make something happen when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, when they're irritated, when they're fed up. And I think that's when my life really changed. And when Jared's life really changed, we got sick and tired of being sick and tired of people judging us and telling us, oh, nobody cares about being an entrepreneur. We don't even know what that means. And nobody's ever going to shop online because people don't have computers. And we said, well, one day they will. And if we can do it, average people who had no money and, you know, were definitely not ordinary, you know, 20 years apart, people didn't expect it, you know, didn't have any money. I didn't have the closest I ever went to college was speaking at it, you know. I think that's probably why you do work though, the 20 years. You see, I think the age difference actually helps. I do. I agree with you. And I think it's what's kept us grounded. Like, you know, some days, you know, you have one of those days and you're like, oh, Everybody's like, do you get those days? We all get those days. We'd be inhuman if we didn't. But, you know, we never go to bed mad. You know, he always tells me, never go to bed mad at me. I'll never go to bed mad at you. You know, I can be in the room and he, he thinks I'm asleep. And he's like, you know, I love you more than anything in this world. And, you know, it's the moments that he thinks I'm not listening, that he's talking to me, that mean the most to me sometimes. Because I know he's really meaning what he's saying. And I think people have got to come to the conclusion because I sometimes believe that you or I believe in people more than they believe in themselves, right? You know, we're like, they have so much potential. They can do so much. The first step is the hardest step to take. Oh my God, it's the hardest thing to do. So, you know, I live by a few rules. Number one, I do the hardest things every day. First, before I do anything else. So everybody knows, do not book meetings with me before 10 a.m. Because from 8 to 10 a.m., and I go to bed very late, but 8 to 10 a.m., is when I'm going to slaughter it. Whatever it takes, the hardest thing to do, the stuff that people avoid, I do it first. Why? Because it's out of the way. I want it done. I don't want to make excuses because we're human and humans make excuses a lot. So if I do it first, it's finished. And then guess what? It's 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. I still have my whole day to do the things like I want to do. Talk to my friends at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Talk to Larsa. Take my grandkids out. And guess what? I get to carve out my day the way I want to do it because the things that are going to take me where I want to go, I've already done in the morning. And so I do those. The second thing I do is I live by, I have sticky notes all over my office. And when I say sticky notes, the little yellow sticky notes, like these sticky notes everywhere. And I have a wall of them. And each one of them represents a month of my life. 
And people say, well, how do you know how long you're going to live? And I'm like, well, I know that the average quality of lifespan, average quality of lifespan ends around 82 years old. So if I take my age and I deduct it and I multiply it times 12, I know how many months I'm, of quality of life I have. And I put those sticky notes around me. I'll send you a photo when we get off. And that photo is how many months I have to live. So if it's 360, 460 sticky notes, it's like artwork in my wall, but each one of them has a really important goal that I'm about to hit or I want to hit. And I know that once the month at the end of the month comes, I got to take that note off the wall. And that's one month left. I have to live. So I better have done something special with that month. I better have hit a goal because I've lost a month of my life. And I want to make sure I'm hitting goals. So I'm, I think I'm tougher on myself than most people. I'm super goal oriented. I'm always looking to take the, the, the high road and I'm always taking the hardest road. You know, I'm not afraid of pain. I'm not afraid of suffering. I don't need makeup. I don't need the diamonds. I just want to show that I can do it one more time. And so my husband said to me just three years ago, because, you know, we made it. I mean, like, we don't have to work anymore. We've done it all. But yet we still work this hard. Do you want to do it one more time with me? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, Let, let's pretend we're starting over and build another organization inside of our company, the same thing over again, but go from 1 billion to 5 billion and we'll do it in five years, one more time together. And then after that, we'll take a break. And I said, really? And we started that last year and I can already see that we're going to hit that goal in five years when we're going to then slow down. And it's really amazing because, you know, I'm like still so young and I don't really know if I can slow down, but yet you know, he's older than me. So I think to myself, I'm okay slowing down a little bit. Like I'll still do something really fun. <laughs> You've made me want to leave Dubai, pack up and come work I'm for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming to see you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm in. I don't know where we're going, but I'm I'm coming. Yes, I feel like I'm in a Tony Robbins conference. I'm literally leaving everything behind. I'm on a plane to Miami. <laughs> Somebody packed my bags. So he told me this and I was like, yeah, I'm in it. So we're on our way. We're doing it again, all over again. And it's so funny because, you know, you don't have the obstacles that you had when you first started, of course, but you know, the road is still hard to do it again. You still have, you know, people taking shots at you, bow and arrows. And I think that's something that, you know, we have to endure in life. And it sucks a little bit because, you know, you want people to be different. I think part of it is like, we want people to know we can do it again. And we're doing it one more time. And we have this goal. We want to see where we can hit, where we can go in five years before we chill out a little bit, well-deserved time, maybe spend a little more time with our kids, still be involved, but not maybe as quite as actively and, you know, enjoy life a little bit. And I think that's the part about me that when I look at you, I admire, because I think that's so important that you do those things. Like last week on the trip, you, Nicole and everybody, but you look so hot. You look younger than everybody. And I think the thing is, is like, you may look at yourself or think a little bit different, but we see it differently. At least I and I know a lot of people are like me, like Larsa, like, we're like, go oh, baby, you look so good. You look so hot. You got the one, you're the lucky one. You got the cookie. He got the cookie. Like you guys so deserve each other because the love is so strong, so powerful. And I think when you can have that type of attitude and love for someone, even when we don't know each other, but we feel like we're friends for a long time, when you care about their success, that you want them, you're rooting for them. I'm cheering for you guys over here. Like that's when you know you have the right people in your life. And I think most people don't know how to eliminate those other ones. And that's hard because you and I both know that to get rid of the shit around you is hard for people to do. 
I think I think that's an interesting, actually very interesting. I get asked, there's two main questions I get asked, which is starting a business and how women that, you know, have given up, I guess, their financial independence, which a lot of women do. And the other one is, you know, losing friends along the way. And unfortunately, actually, they kind of go hand in hand. Well, I, I agree with you. And I think that's the thing. I think it's hard for people, as you know, to say, you know what, you're not good for me. Yes. This isn't right for me. It's unhealthy. It's toxic. It's not right. That friend that brings you down, the one that makes you feel like, oh, you never have time for me. You know, and I remember in the early days when we started, you know, there was many friends who would be like, well, if you're going to go out and make it, then who's going to hang out with me? I mean, you and JR can't make it because then I won't have anyone to hang out with. And I was like, yeah, you're the first, you're the first person I'm checking out. Like I even noticed that with Larsa and people like that friends sort of cut you off because now you're single. You've been friends forever, but like now you're single, you're out the door. It's so important not to do that. Like, you know, you, you gotta be a real dedicated, good friend and you know, I'm blessed because I have the Larses in the world. You know, Jennifer Lopez has been one of my best friends for 20 years. And I think about, and Alicia Keys is like a sister to me. We just came back from Bahamas together. And I think about the circle I have around me of women who are uplifting, who bring me up, who tell me like, if I say, well, you know, this happened today and this, and they're like, come on, Lauren, you, you kill everything. Go get it. Just stop. Don't even feel, I don't have pity parties. You know, I'm not having the boohoo, but we're all human. We can all have one of those once a year, but that's it. You know, we can have a pity party, but our friends are the ones who are saying, hey, let's get up. We got to go. We got work to do. I'm with you. Pity parties are something I think I've been preaching since I started this podcast. They don't work for you. They do not. They're never going to get you further. They're only going to hold you back. There's yeah. no point in a pity party. Well, and you know, the funny thing is, is like, let's take Larsa, for example, and she won't mind me saying this because she knows it, but like when she first got separated and everybody was freaking out. Now, listen, Scotty is one of my dearest friends, one of my husband's dearest friends. We love them both equally. We have never changed our position how much we love both, both of them equally. She knows that. But here's the thing. You cannot put someone in a box and make them become what you want them to become. It doesn't work. And Larsa is a butterfly. She's meant to fly. That's what she wants to do. So you can't clip people's wings. It's just not possible. Stop trying to clip people's wings and let them fly. Then other people will want to be around you too. And so, you know, that's when you've created that butterfly garden of people who want to be around you and flourish, right? You do. I've said it before because you know, I think I, I visualized my my future on my, you know, as on my own, as if, you know, he wasn't because I didn't know whether a 27 year old was going to last or not. And he wasn't the reason I left. That's for sure. So, you know, he was part of the reason, but not the reason. Right. And I realized that I would always be happier on my own. I'm a very happy person. And, you know, I thought I looked at apartments and then I went out and found a, a fuck off house. And I was like, I don't know if I can afford the bills. Then I was like, OK, I'll more work will come. And, and actually look at this podcast. This podcast is going to be one of the most successful things I own. It's insane. And how many podcasts are out there? It's, it's pretty amazing to me that this is what this has become. And here's the thing, that podcast is what women needed. See, that's why I love supporting women. 
because they're kept in this box. They believe they're told their whole life, you need to grow up, marry the guy who can take care of you, whatever financial means that may mean. For some, it's more than others. Have that white little picket fence, have those kids and stop dreaming. And, and all these women that can't leave their husbands I now. Know. Who are desperately, desperately want to, which I find, I have a girlfriend now kind of going through it and she just has no way of making money. I don't even know what to say to her. And then she's like, but if I stay, it's because I, I'm scared and I can't make money. And I, I can't tell her to, to jump. And then what if it doesn't work for her? But I think it will work for her. But I mean, I don't know. And I don't want to be responsible. You know, I don't know how you, how it's so difficult to give women the tools and the only tool. And I hope I'm sure this is the tool you've given your children and my children. As I say, I don't give a shit whether you marry a multi-billionaire or not. You go back to work. You learn how to work. Unless that multi-billionaire is signed over hundreds of millions into your account, you're you still better. poor. That's, and by the way, you're a hundred, you're so right on target. And that's why I think I still work, you know, because I could have stopped working all these years, but I really did want Amber and my grandkids to see like, Hey, my, my, my Mimi works. She's not afraid of hard work. She's not afraid to show what it's like to show up for work and do the hard things. My Mimi's not afraid. She keeps pop up, checked, checked in. You know, I'm always on JR. I'm watching the kids. I'm making sure Amber's okay. I can juggle multi, many things at once. Like most women can most successful women. And I think it's, you know, women just don't give themselves enough credit. And I feel you. I want, I get those letters sometimes from somebody that says, you know, I've been abused. I've been mistreated. I just want out. I don't know what to do. I've never worked before in my life. I've always stayed home. That's an important job just get out, be safe. And I know that seems harder than most people can handle because like, what do I do? How do I survive? You will survive when you've made up your mind that you're not just going to survive. You will thrive. And I think that's what's happened to you. It's like when you step out just this far out of that comfort circle, that comfort zone that we're all so used to having, look what happens. You flourish. And that doesn't mean you don't have moments where you feel like, well, maybe I need to readjust my life. Life. Maybe I'm still spending above my means. You know what? You can adjust those things. You measure, monitor, and adjust. That doesn't make you not great. That actually makes you great that you can see that you're living beyond your means. Let's make some adjustments. And that's the thing. I think for powerful women with powerful friends, like, you know, you're talking about J-Lo and Lisa Keys and I've got Nicole and all these Larsa and these people in our lives who actually, you know, pushes the great thing about the friendships that we all have as well is because we are successful, powerful women in our own rights. And that's not measured about what you have in the bank. It's just about the kind of women we are, that we push each other, that we're busy, that we are doing it for ourselves. It's the hustle along the way. But, you know, what it does mean is that we also, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I speak to you once a year, twice a year, you're there and you know each other's there, but the Instagram has made it so easy for us to sort of, you know, feel Connect. like we're in each other's lives. Yeah. But what it means is that we all understand where we're coming from. And we don't, unlike other, some other women, we don't put these terrible pressures on them. Exactly. If you're not here for this, don't come back. If you can't do this for me, don't it come back. It drives me crazy. And I don't have that in my life at all. And it's like, I'm still teaching my daughter how to manage those things. Because I always saw her like, being honest with your friends is the most important thing you can do. If you don't have time, people can't argue with that. They just cannot. They may not like it, but you cannot, they cannot deny it. I remember when Jennifer Lopez was doing her residency in Vegas and, you know, it was her first show. And of course I always try to go to the first show to support it. 
And so we were there and she and I and all the kids and the family were all sitting in like two booths at this restaurant in Vegas uh, before the first night of the show. And we were sitting there, we were talking about, cause you know, I had my daughter uh, when she was young before the twins were born. Cause Emmy and Max are my godchildren. And so, you know, we were there and we were talking about what's normal. And we both just looked at each other and laughed and, you know, we both have been pushed by society like you have to believe that we have to be a certain type of normal. And what is normal for you and me or her is what's normal for us. It doesn't have to be what's normal for everybody. So for instance, having dinner at 10 o'clock at night with our kids so we can see them is normal for us, but it's not normal for other people, but that's okay. What's your normal is normal and good for you. Yeah, but I mean, how can you be normal and then become Jennifer fucking Lopez? You can't. <laughs> you know, it's like, it that just doesn't, it doesn't work. She's a, she's a glamorous normal. One word that everyone has said to me is that, you know, it shines from you. It shines from you, Lauren. I see it in you. I see it in Larsa. Yeah. I see it, you definitely see it in Jennifer Lopez. You see it in all of these women yeah. who have, you know, worked for something. And all of us have our have our sparkle, have our shine. It is something, it's not money. It's not the way you were brought up. It is within you. Yes. You can't teach someone this. You cannot teach it. No, you can and you're right. And it's yet, it's the thing that will make us flourish. It's the thing that gives us our shine. And after Jennifer said that to me, our normal is what's normal for us, Lauren. You know, I remember when her and Mark had separated, she had bought us these little rings that said, I love me little diamond, little wedding bands, like not wedding bands, but friendship bands. And I still haven't, I wear it often. And, and it's true. We have to remind each other that we have to love ourselves first. And I think so often we encounter these people in our life, men, women, whatever, that they don't love themselves. So they're looking to hate, you know, we see them on our Instagram comments. We see them on our Facebook comments. They're always the ones writing these awful things. And then you're thinking to yourself, you just got to love yourself first folks, because judging people, and putting yourself out there like that when you're not happy. That's why it's so important for us to live our normal, for us to be happy truly within. And that's why I think this podcast, you and everything you've done is shining right now. And this is the time, baby girl, that you got to push even harder because this is when you have your momentum. Yes. You know, and as hard as that is, sometimes that will require rules that you won't, you know, that you haven't had to live by in the last year or two, but you'll do them because you know where you're going with them. And that's what I do. I tell that to everybody around me, my friends, my family. If I know I'm going on a major goal or major mission, I tell everybody like, look guys, I'm checking out for six months. You're not going to see me for a minute. I'm working hard. I'm on a mission, but I promise you we're going to all celebrate later. And everybody's like, are you done yet? But they're ready. And you know, that's when you know you have people who love you. Well, that's amazing, Lauren. I've enjoyed this podcast so much and i am desperate to get over there now get your ass over here i know i'm coming i've got to come let me get um you guys can stay with us i'm not there this summer but you guys can stay at my house there i love you you know i really do thank you so much everybody and i can't wait to see you thank you for listening to divorce not dead Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action.